0: find more of my content by going to my website fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show I've got Pollyanna Hale, mompreneur Inspiring Moms Nationwide to Lose Weight, author of Eat, Drink and Be Slim, How to Eat Normally and Stay Slim. So welcome onto to the show, Pollyanna.
1: Hi, James. Thank you for having me on.
0: So before we delve into today's topic, Pollyanna, can you talk to us about what was kind of your inspiration behind wanting to get into the fitness industry first of all?
1: Well my background is actually performing. Years ago I was at stage school so I was obviously really really fit. I was exercising every day. We were taught how to eat well. So it's always kind of been a part of my life. I've always been sporty. um, And it's always just kind of been a natural part of my life. Um, And I've always been passionate about food as well. I've got a, a dad who's a chef. Um, and it's always been an interest, but it wasn't until I became a mum when I suddenly realised actually all the things that I wanted to do and I was passionate about, suddenly I, there was no room in my life for them. I didn't have time to exercise. I didn't have childcare to go out to the gym or to go out to classes. Even meeting a friend for a coffee was just... Um, nigh on impossible and meals suddenly became. They went from being something that I, I enjoyed cooking, and I still enjoy cooking to a degree, but it was more about okay, what can I make in the shortest time possible that's still vaguely healthy, um, and it, it was just basically about trying to fit in everything into what was now. I just had so much less time than I um, than I had before, and I realised that there was other women out there other mums out there struggling with the same thing and we're going back um my eldest is nine now but um the fit mom formula started when I had my second child she's now five um and it was with another trainer and uh, online training really wasn't a thing back then um I know there's lots of people are doing it now but things like membership portals and and online programs they just weren't really around and we said that there has to be something but there is nothing for us mums out there there's nothing for us there's only gym classes and you can't take your kids and you don't always want to put your kids into the creche at the gym if they don't know them there and we said well how can we get around this we're gonna have to have something that's online accessible the whole time from home so that mums can do it in their own time when it suits them and and that's how this is created so yeah in, in a nutshell. Fitness and health has always been a part of my life, but as soon as I became a mum, I had to start thinking outside the box and how to fit all of this stuff around children, or it just wasn't going to happen.
0: And that probably rolls well into my first question to you. Do you think, in essence, that the fitness industry kind of, not sugarcoats it, but kind of tries to tie nutrition into this one box, obviously? Uh, Most people would know of meal prepping. Do you, Do you think it's okay it's not for everybody myself included I can do it for a couple of days, but kind of getting somebody not just parents but people that are not so you could almost call it regimented to be able to follow that task would following something along of what is realistic be more sensible?
1: You know, from a physiological point of view, it's all quite simple, really. We all need to eat the correct amount of calories for our personal needs, whatever that is. We all need to get all the micronutrients and macronutrients that we need. So that's we need the right amounts of carb, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and all your vitamins and minerals. Um, and that's it, really. How you achieve that? Is very much going to be dependent on the individual. Obviously, if you are a single male who lives alone, or female even, um, who lives alone, um, has a job that is pretty uh, regular hours, not too insociable hours, and you don't go out to eat a lot, then you can do whatever you want, you know. But most people have some kind of restriction on their life, whether it's They've got other people that they're making meals for, whether they've got, um, perhaps they've got food allergies or they don't eat certain foods or certain ways due to cultural or religious restrictions. You know, there's there's so many things that influence how we're going to eat and where we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. There's absolutely no way you can dictate there's going to be one right way for everyone. And even within... People who have got very similar goals and very similar life circumstances. For example, in my within my mum community, they're all pretty similar in that they've got a pretty similar lifestyle. Some of them have jobs, some of them don't, but they've all got children at home, usually young children. They've all got families at home and they're all really busy. Some of them absolutely love tracking their food intake with MyFitnessPal, and some can't stand it. Some spend a day on on a week in the week, usually a Sunday they 'll go out and do their shopping and they will plan all their meals out in advance and they know exactly from one day to the next what the family are going to be eating in the evening. Other people like to make it up as they go along, so even with people with very similar lives and similar goals there 's going to be variations just based on what people prefer, so there is no one way, and um, anyone who says that there is one perfect way is missing the point completely, because even if it was nutritionally perfect, it might not suit that person's lifestyle
0: and you say there Pollyanna that there's traits between a group of individuals that like to track it out and some that don't. What are kind of some of the characteristics that differentiate the two groups or or can you not generalize that to 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 be so specific
1: um I don't think there's, no, I don't think there's any similarities in, in, in traits in that respect. I think it just comes down to some people love using technology and their phones in general. They tend to like data. They like using other the types of people who use, say, Google calendars, and they use apps on their phone in general. So my MyFitnessPal or similar track, they tend to use things like, Watches like Apple Watches or Fitbits and they love data and they num- and they like numbers and they like having that feedback and be able to see straight in front of them clearly what's going on, what they're eating, what they're burning um, and it helps to keep them accountable and they really like that um it's quite a simple thing to use for other people it really takes the enjoyment out of food it turns food into numbers as opposed to a delicious recipe and they find being on their phone more than a minimal amount during the day is just it's distracting and and they don't like being tied to their phones and um i've fallen into that camp i hate Tracking my food, I have done it in the far past, but I really don't like it, so I personally um I've got a very good awareness of calories and things like that anyway, just because of my job and my qualifications but um even then, I would find other ways of of measuring out portions personally, but yeah, it's just personal preference it really is, and there's no right or wrong way of doing it you've got to go with whatever works for that person
0: but uh, probably obviously this is probably works well into this question and you answered it quite nicely, but do you think you fall into that category because of your upbringing to some extent with your father being a chef? Or do you think it's how you've kind of gone about things?
1: No, I think for me personally, um, I don't like getting too obsessed over the tiny details because I've got a very per- obsessive personality. So I know that an extra or a minus 100 calories here and there is not going to make that much of a difference. And the tiny details don't matter. And for most people, you can eat pretty well just looking at a plate of food. You can see, you can like have, right, I've got this handful of this. I've got half a plate of this. That's enough nutritionally um, for the vast majority of people. Um, and I prefer to have that more relaxed approach. I don't like to get too worked up and too obsessive over minute details that really don't make a difference. Obviously, I want to be as healthy as possible, but I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not looking to compete on stage in some kind of physique competition. I don't need that level of detail. Um, I don't need to be that precise and nor order. Do- any of my mums but they like using these apps and I'm not going to take that away from them if they really enjoy it it's not a stress for them it actually makes it easier for them and they they enjoy that way of doing things I'm not going to take that away from them it's just not for me personally
0: I I, I think I'd be similar to you I think when I was on uh, competing at the highest level I hated it I think when nutritionists say I'll weigh this out I couldn't. I couldn't be bothered. It's. It's okay. I, I. I can see where you're coming from from a performance perspective because it's one of those one percenters. But that was the last thing I wanted to do after a training session was having to weigh my food. I wanted to just get it on board as quickly as possible. And at the time at uni, people would ask me, "Are you you quite you are the things you are eating are quite similar?" Well, I, I looked at it as fuel, so it's probably it's kind of going on a tangent a little bit, but it's looking at food in a different way altogether.
1: It comes down to goals, doesn't it? If you want to be um, an elite performer in some way, whether that's sporting performance and athletics, or whether it's more aesthetic, whether it's if you want to go on stage looking absolutely ripped, which... and when you are competing as a physique competitor, it is beyond normal physiological levels. You are pushing your body beyond what is quote unquote normal. You're going to have to be that precise in every way, both with your workouts and with your nutrition. But that's because you've got a, you've set a very high standard, a very high goal, and with that comes very strict regimens. But most people don't have those sorts of goals, and therefore don't need to be quite so precise and being pretty fit and healthy isn't that difficult as in they say it's simple but not easy the principles of what you need to do are really really quite simple if you ask anybody what a healthy meal is what healthy eating is and what a healthy lifestyle is they'll be able to tell you can they make themselves do it well that's an entirely different matter but the actual principles of what they need to do is quite simple really
0: so this ties quite nicely into my next question for you. Do you, Obviously more for the British listeners now. The likes of the shows of Eat Well for Less and the other shows elude me at this moment. But do you think they have the wrong notion towards what the show is looking to achieve when it's looking to
1: educate people? Yeah, this I I have to say I don't like the majority of TV shows that are around healthy eating because they come under all ends of the spectrum and they all dictate that their way is right. Whether it's a Netflix documentary about veganism. um, There was one the other night at BBC about um, sugar and carbohydrates. You get Eat Well for Less, which is about eating cheaper food. And they've all got a specific angle that tends to be quite extreme. And they're all saying this way is the best, whereas actually there there is no one way. And it's just confusing people because then they say, oh, maybe I should be eating a vegan diet or maybe I should cut out all carbohydrates and go on a really low carb diet. Maybe I should always buy the cheapest food or maybe the other end maybe I should always be buying the most expensive organic food and it's these extreme views that I take a stand against because extreme anything isn't going to work you don't need to and it's not going to be right for everyone and it, and it just confuses people because they think "Well, which direction do I turn in which extreme do I go to And really they don't need to go to any extreme um, I think the eat well for less one I think their goal isn't necessarily about nutrition is it they're about reducing people's food bills without taking a look at the nutrition I have seen that show a couple of times and I don't recall any reference to actual food quality and nutrition so yeah I mean obviously if you're on a super tight budget you are going to have to think a little bit about how to eat without spending eat well without spending so much money but yeah I would be if I was on a really really tight budget uh, the way I would choose to eat is probably not what they'd be doing on the show I wouldn't necessarily go for the supermarket branded biscuits and cereal I would just start eating really cheap but more nutritious foods things like um dry pulses and beans and legumes that you have to soak yourself Super cheap, um, a whole grain rice. Um, choosing things like a whole chicken as opposed to lean chicken breasts and cooking a whole chicken works out so much cheaper. And people say to me, they come to me saying, "Oh, I, I, you know, you shouldn't eat these. These fruits aren't good unless they're organic because they've got too many pesticides." And and I, like, do you know what? I would so much rather you ate budget carrots and blueberries. Than organic chocolate cake, I really would. They're just missing the wood through the trees, and they're focusing on the minute details without seeing the overall bigger picture of what really, really matters. And I don't care. In fact, I've got this week. I've got a challenge running in my group of um, like my getting my mum to eat as many fruit and vegetables as possible, and they can eat frozen, tinned, fresh. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter as long as they eat them. And I would much rather they eat tons of regular, budget, cheaper chips, um, frozen vegetables, than they try to. then they ha- they spent too much money on expensive, unnecessary like things like superfoods that are just, you know, they're right at the top of the iceberg. They don't need those yet. They just need to get the foundations right.
0: So it's gone as far, really, as the the wording of the show is quite misleading. And
1: yeah, what's the official title? Is it, is it Eat Well for Less?
0: I, would, it, I think so.
1: Yeah, I would question the well, personally. <laughs> I would question the well. Um, and also, I think that some things are worth spending money on. Um, it's all about priorities, isn't it? And yes, there are some people who are on really tight budgets, and they do count... Every penny, I know that exists, but I've seen countless times of where people say, "I can't afford all that." For example, protein. If they're trying to eat more protein, they're trying to eat more meat and fish. They're saying meat and fish is really expensive, and I go, "Well, yes, it is more expensive than say, you know, dried cereal and things and things like that. Um, something, but there's ways to make it cheaper, as we've spoken about, but. Um, Yeah, possibly you're going to have to start spending a little bit more money on better quality food, but the same token they're going, um, because I have still got to go and pay you the rest of my holiday off, or or they're spending money on on this outfit, or they've treated themselves to this, that and the other, and I think sometimes I really do think it is a a case of priorities. I'm not saying that people shouldn't go on holidays and buy themselves new clothes. But then by the same token, don't say you can't afford good food because that's a choice you've made. And I'm not criticizing that either. You've got to make your own priorities, but you can't have it both ways.
0: But does it, does it come down to the notion that in general, a lot of people don't prioritize their health and well-being?
1: Definitely. I think the consumer culture in general has just exploded. And if you speak to our grandparents, they didn't eat out at restaurants unless it was a really special occasion. They mended their clothes. They you know they they went on camping holidays and, and caravan holidays and going abroad was for really the, the very wealthy in the country. And these days people do that stuff all the time. They go buy new clothes all the time just because they, they feel like it and they're always going out to to restaurants or they're a bit thirsty so they'll pop into Starbucks and they'll buy an enormous coffee and a muffin and everything else, and they'll spend like fifteen pounds just on passing. That would have never happened in years gone by, and people just think that spending money um, on things that really aren't that necessary and essential is normal. Um, whereas they they can't afford to spend money on their health, and let's be honest, it doesn't even cost that money. You don't have to join a gym to exercise. You don't have to go to classes. Um, Most people, even on really tight budgets, have the internet. So you can log on to YouTube and get free workouts of every different style of workout that doesn't need equipment 24 hours a day, but they choose not to. So then again, it comes down to, well, what are your priorities? Where's your motivation at? Because this isn't really about money, is it? This isn't really about not having the resources or the finances to be healthy, this is about your choices and that's something where we as professionals, it's its no longer about information because all the information is out there at people's fingertips. Um, I think where our job now is to motivate people to do the things that they, need to, they know they need to do because that's the step that they're struggling with.
0: But how would you go about it because everybody's wired slightly differently?
1: What, how would you go about motivating people?
0: Because mm, some people, what the question? I was a question I was asked this week was obviously to do with the temperature we are having at the moment. How can I motivate myself to train? Well, I kind of went to the logical sense. Well, you've got two choices: you can train earlier in the morning or later at night. But it was, oh, it's motivation to do that. Well, that's that's. It's not really. I I wouldn't say that was motivation. I would say it's. It may be time constraints to some extent.
1: I'd say that's problem solving. And that's actually something that I really enjoy. I really thrive at. I love trying to come up with solutions to problems. So, yes, it, it, you do come across people who are just so resistant to change. And, and they'll come up with every excuse under the sun. And whatever you say to them, they'll come back with an answer telling you why they can't do it. And sometimes as a trainer, you have to step back and go, do you know what? this person isn't ready, I can't help everybody, and I'm much better off putting my time and energy into people who really are prepared to change and to listen and to be inspired. That being said, motivating people is a skill in itself. Um, There's a great book if anyone wants to learn more, it's called Motivational Interviewing. Um, But in general, motivating people and inspiring people cannot be underestimated because, you as a trainer these days where people don't need information anymore what they what you need to do is is learn how to push people's buttons and that's there are some things that are going to work for lots of people and other times you just have to get a conversation going and know when you you'll know when you have pushed their button because they'll suddenly be really enthusiastic and think right yes i can do this if you tell somebody they need to get up at 5.30 in the morning so that they can work out at 6am before they go to work. If they're not a morning person, they're going to switch off immediately. They're going to hate you for that and they're not going to do it and they probably won't listen to anything else you say either. From there on they'll just switch off. Whereas if you engage with them and ask them questions, rather than telling them what to do, ask them and say, right, when do you feel most energetic? When do you feel, when do you think you've got half an hour in your day? When would be a good time in your diary to do this? And they'll come back and tell you when will be good for them. And you go, and they've come up with that idea. You haven't told them. They've thought of it. And you're right. So, you, And you confirm it to them. You say, right, so you're telling me you will be best working out as soon as you get home from work, Um, before you get on with the evening, before you start cooking the evening meal, helping kids with homework, you just get it over and done with the moment you step in the door and they they go, yes, and you go, right, I want you to put that in your diary, and that is now like a dentist appointment, because people don't miss their dentist appointments, right, they'll go, because it's in the diary and they just turn up, so if you did that the same with your workout, whenever it is, you've set that time aside, nothing else is going to happen in that time, because you've set that time aside. The phone rings, people come to the door, whatever happens, emails start pinging in, the kids want something. But no, you've got that appointment in your diary and you've got to stick to it and everything else can wait. You're not asking for very much time. It could be as little as 10 minutes if you have an effective workout. Um, But it's just prioritizing it and getting it to fit into a way that works in their life, whatever works for them. So I think you really have to go, go with them. Some people just They've got their own preferences. It's the same with food as well. You can't tell somebody, you've got to eat this food because it's really good for you. If they can't stand it, they're not going to eat it. So you've got to think, right, you don't like that, what's an alternative, you know? And there's always an alternative. There's always a solution to every single problem. It's just finding it. I mean, I've had people come to me with injuries, so they can't do certain exercises. Or certain types of exercises, for example, they can't do anything that involves high impact. That means everything like jogging, jumping, anything like that is out the window. So you've got to come up with solutions for that. Perhaps it's a dietary restriction. Maybe they are, um, you know, we all know in the fitness industry that most people need to eat more protein. Well, if they're a vegan, they're going to struggle with that and they might, be absolutely intent on being a vegan that's absolutely fine but we just need to get around that and figure out how they're going to get more protein in as a vegan um i don't believe in problems i just believe in solutions um and what those solutions are are going to be individual to that person but there is always an answer and as long as they can see that there's a solution to their problem then they'll have faith not only in you but in themselves as well because suddenly they're they're not just seeing a, a load of problems stopping them do what they want to do and, and reach their goals. They're now seeing answers and potential realistic solutions to them.
0: I, I think I've got a great story for, to go along with the, 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 like you said, with food that people don't like. I had a client first a staff staff with me, and I had a, a sheet for a shopping list, and he was actually in the supermarket sending me a message. Oh I see that there's fish on on the uh, shopping list you've given me. I don't like it. But I'm going to put it in my basket anyway. But then I thought well you don't like it. There is other <laughs> there is other sources of protein that you can have and there's obviously supplementary um things you can have like fish fish oil tablets to solve that possible problem as well. So I was like you don't have to and what's the word that's eluding me. Put yourself through struggles of eating something you don't like for the sake of it. So I was like, "Well, don't don't eat it if it's gonna make you you hate it and you don't like it." But they they kind of tried different types of fish and actually started to enjoy it. So I think opening it up slightly to maybe maybe challenge themselves—probably a stronger word—but they were over to come possibly a fear that they didn't like it or they've had bad experience with it. But I was kind of like you were saying, problem solving. Well, if you don't like it just because it's on a list doesn't mean you need to eat it.
1: And sometimes you're right. Sometimes they do need to push themselves out of their comfort zone. I mean, You have to sometimes, in maybe not so many words, but tell people to grow up a little bit. If they're they're saying, I don't eat fruit and vegetables, they'll say, I'm sorry, You're, you're an adult, grow up, you know, learn to like them. Sometimes some things in life have to be done. You can't not eat any fruit and vegetables i once had a lady come to me who was really concerned she had the same goals everyone else she was a mum who wanted to lose weight turn up get healthier she was such a fussy eater and i mean she is the fussiest adult eater i've ever seen it was a bit of a bizarre list of foods but she i said look we can do this we're going to start slowly and we're going to work with this and her list of foods was about 10 different foods literally it was something like cheese sandwiches i think there was beetroot Um, I think there was something random like melon and she would eat chicken and and this is basically it. So I had this list of about 10 foods and we spent half an hour uh, on Skype going through and creating a week's worth of meals that were fairly varied and, you know, and and got everything she needed. She got enough of fruit and vegetables, albeit repeating the same ones for an entire week only using the foods she would eat I thought right at some point it would be great if she can expand this but for now if we can just get her eating better proportionately using the foods that she's comfortable with she will feel comfortable with the plan she will earn I will earn her trust and we'll start making inroads into her health Um, so you've got to start where people are at um, but I do encourage people to try different recipes because sometimes you say sometimes, especially if they don't know how to cook, they, they're not that great at making recipes. Sometimes it, it's just that they haven't found a way of cooking a particular food that they enjoy. And that's where community can come in really well. Um, and and you can, they can reach out to people in, in Facebook groups and say, look, has anyone, I really don't like this food. Has anyone got some good ways? of preparing it some nice recipes that I could try and there and people will come back with some great recipes I've done it myself because I've got foods I don't like and I said look husband's gone and bought all over this stuff that wasn't on the shopping list I don't like it I don't want to throw it away hit me up with your best ideas and I'll go away and try them I might not like them I might but you never know until you try but the other thing I've I'd, I'd done because I found this has come up time and time again i get asked the same questions i don't like that what late said. i have created cheat sheets for things like that so in one of my plans in particular there is a food swap sheet so it's got all the different lean proteins all the different slightly fattier proteins all the carbohydrates and all things like the dairy products and the vegetables and so basically it's it's a list so if, if they don't like something in a recipe or in a meal plan they just have to refer to that cheat sheet and go right what's sort of similar that I do like that I could have instead or it could be because they're allergic to something um, you know what could they have instead so that they they still get everything they need for example if it was um something that was protein and fat let's say it's some salmon or sardines some oily fish and they really don't like oily fish well as you say they can take fish oils for the omega-3s and then they can get proteins and fats together with say something like some lean chicken and avocado there you're still getting the proteins and the fats just in a different way to the oily fish if that's not what they like then they can take some omega-3 oils and now they're pretty much getting what they need in the same way but with foods that they like so because that was a, a repeat problem that kept coming up I once again I came up with a solution for it so that people didn't have to keep coming to me saying what can I have instead of that I don't like that don't like that don't like that and I got to be honest, I got tired of asking answering those questions all the time I thought well if I create this cheat sheet it's a lot easier for me able to answer the question and also they'll have the same answers to all the all the times they're going to ask me the same question in future of all the other foods they don't like as well
0: but, but Leanna, that's a quite an interesting one in terms of what, what what is kind of the i know it's going to differentiate from people to people in terms of why they come about to disliking food but for you personally what was kind of the underlying what are some of the underlying factors for you as to why you don't like foods
1: well i don't like foods hmm. um I guess, I mean, there aren't very many, to be honest, because I'm lucky enough to have um, a very broad foodie upbringing. With a chef as a father, we always had quite grown-up foods, quite sophisticated meals, real home-cooked stuff. So there are very, very few things that I don't like. But I don't like uh, what did he buy the other day? Chicory. There's <laughs> a really random one. I don't like chicory. I don't. I don't like raw celery. I like it in like cooked in a stew. I don't like raw celery. So um, you know, there's there's very few things, but they're they're never big enough things that it means I was nutritionally deficient. There's always a replacement, so it's rarely a big deal if somebody doesn't like something. It really isn't a big deal. There's always something else you can have. And as I say, if it's a major mental hurdle, like they just don't like fruit and vegetables, some things do have to be overcome. But, you know, that, that's extreme. Most people aren't that fussy. There's always going to be something. You go to McDonald's, you can eat better or worse than McDonald's. McDonald's have a grilled chicken salad. You know, if, you, if you're insisting on going out and eating fast food, there's still better choices you can make even there. You can choose a diet Coke instead of a full sugar Coke. It's little changes that really, really do add up. I could go anywhere in the world and eat well, absolutely anywhere in the world. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Um, It's a buffet, so I don't know the exact menu, but it will be a typical buffet. It'll be sandwiches, it'll be quiche, pizza, stuff like that. Um, And I know that I will be able to make choices I don't have to look at that and go oh well I may as well not bother then I may as well just eat everything in sight because there's there's nothing perfect here rather than looking at how can I be perfect I'll go well how can I make the best of what is at my disposal here what can I do what can I have that's better that's not to say I don't allow myself treats but I do like feeling good I like feeling healthy I don't like feeling sluggish and bloated and and tired and, and goggy. I like having energy and that does mean eating well. So even when there's an abundance of treat foods available, I'm not inclined to eat them till I feel sick because I, I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel healthy.
0: So would you agree that you are kind of more leaning towards kind of an 80-20 approach towards people's nutrition?
1: Definitely, always. There's no such thing as perfect. If you try and be perfect, you will fail. And even if you were able to be perfect all the time, I mean, you've got to get some perspective. Life is having fun as well. Um, So, I mean, I think where people go wrong with 80-20 and moderation is what they perceive as moderation isn't really. Like, they'll see moderation is, right, I'm going to have um one glass of a uh, large glass of wine every night and i'm going to have one chocolate bar every day but i don't know that's on top of other things that maybe aren't optimal and you're going to do if it works for them great but sometimes i see what people say is oh that they'll come back and they say oh, i had this that and the other that was, wasn't healthy but well everything in moderation I'm like okay but your moderation clearly isn't working for you because you're still too stone overweight, um, you're still feeling pretty tired. You don't have the energy you need, so maybe you need to reevaluate what moderation actually means and is what you're doing. Moderation, or is it actually a bit too much of the less healthy foods and not enough of the good stuff? You don't have to cut out the unhealthy foods completely, but we just need to readdress the balance.
0: Well, also, Paula, you probably agree with this a little, but it substituting the likes of you brought up earlier with say going to Starbucks, Costa uh, you name it, whatever coffee shop you can think of under the sun and replacing that with say the likes of well, the better choice would be water but a a, a liquid somewhere closer to that
1: Yeah, I mean, this comes down to, I think people go on to autopilot because when you really delve deep and you ask them questions, you go, right, which has more calories in? What's better for you? What's more nutritious? What's going to be more helpful when you're, for example, trying to lose weight? Is it the frappuccino and the muffin? And they'll tell you. Oh, no, it's not, is it? But they're so on autopilot when they go in there. They'll get their lattes, their cappuccinos, their hot chocolates. Um, They'll get a a piece of cake while they're in there as well. And it's just because that's what they do because that's like the Starbucks culture. Whereas if we can go – look, I love Starbucks, okay? I absolutely love Starbucks. And it's – and it's my treat. I don't often go mostly because I don't get a chance. Um, I'm not generally out and about in towns. But whenever, for example, I'm up in London working, I'll always dip in the Starbucks. And what I like is an Americano with their sugar-free syrups because that, to me, tastes a little bit like a treat. But, yeah, it's very low calorie. Um, and it's just showing people that you don't have to do the default of of what you've always done. You know, there's always, there's ways of feeling like you're having a treat without completely steering away from what's going to help you reach your goals.
0: And my final question for you, Pollyanna, before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that
1: be? One sentence. Okay. Have a really good look at what you're doing and what you know you've got to be doing and see, evaluate whether you're actually making the correct choices because most people know what it is they've got to be doing. They're just not doing it. So try and think like the expert. Stop coming to expert's like us, that sounds like a crazy thing to say. But you know the answers. You know what you've got to eat. You know what you've got to do. So, go and do it.
0: So, once again, Pollyanna, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Game podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been good fun.
0: It's been my pleasure. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short rate review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in the future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.